0: educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. In the lead up to this year's Social Enterprise World Forum in Edinburgh, We're shining a spotlight on the key factors which have led to a thriving social enterprise movement in Scotland. What can we all learn from Scotland's approach to tackling community issues and building a social enterprising economy? Deep insights from 12 global leaders have been compiled from our podcast to help gain a better understanding into Scotland's social enterprise history. Experience and opinions are shared into a range of topics, including Scotland's 10 year social enterprise strategy, whole of government support, investment funds, and growth of the ecosystem. We're looking forward to continuing this discussion in September when the majority of these interviewees impact boom, and many of the world's inspiring social entrepreneurs will gather for the world forum. Now, remember what you hear today are snippets. And you can click on through to listen to the full interviews on impactboom.org. So to kick things off, in September last year, we spoke to Peter Holbrook, CEO of Social Enterprise UK. I pointed out that a number of our interviewees were pointing to the UK as a leader in the social enterprise space and asked Peter what countries he believed were really leading the charge when it came to social innovation. What was the UK doing that other countries around the world could learn from? And here's what Peter said.
1: So I think we can be uh, kind of overindulged around kind of social innovation. Hmm. Uh, In the UK, uh, we've we've made a lot of progress. Uh, We've had about 15 or 20 years of constant policy initiatives that have supported the growth and development of social enterprises. But against that backdrop, we've got growing poverty, growing homelessness, growing inequality. We've got a health and social care crisis our education system is in crisis, you know, the prospects for young people in this country are not as good as they should be. And so although we can be carried away flying the flag and saying, haven't we done well, we have to recognize the context uh, and that context is not entirely positive.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, Other countries uh, that are really kind of smashing it at the moment, uh, well, you'll know that the UK is formed of four countries that form the United Kingdom and Scotland has its own government and Scotland for the last uh, five, six, seven years has been really, really driving uh, the Mm. growth of social enterprise in a way that makes me based in London, in England, quite envious. They've got a 10 year social enterprise strategy. Uh, They believe in social enterprise as an economic model, Mm. not just as a handy way to deliver services to the public, sometimes on, on a more cost efficient basis. They believe in building a socially enterprising economy and Scotland is smashing it at the moment.
0: At the beginning of this year, we had the pleasure of speaking to one of the world's pioneers in social enterprise, Jerry Higgins. Now, beyond being a director of the Social Enterprise World Forum, Jerry leads a range of other organizations responsible for growing the world's social enterprise ecosystem. I was keen to dig into the history of the UK's first social enterprise strategy and asked Jerry to share his broad experience. Now, here's a snippet of our conversation. In your work as the founding director of Social Enterprise UK, you worked with the DTI to draft and introduce the first UK social enterprise strategy in 2002. So how have you seen the social enterprise sector transform since drafting that strategy and where do you see it heading, Jerry?
3: Yeah, I should clarify that there was about 20 people working with the DTI at the time. Um, uh, The entire board of of, um, what's now Social Enterprise UK, which was the Social Enterprise Coalition then. And I I was um, certainly one of the folk responsible for that. And for me, that was a breakthrough moment. You know, it was the first social enterprise strategy that we had seen. It set out an ambition for the sector. It set out priorities. And I could see that in the years that followed, Actually, having a strategy is is huge. It it, it legitimizes government participation uh, that trickles down to regional and to local government, and uh, you know the, the existence of a national strategy um, uh, can be a really powerful accelerator. And mm. um, some of that depends on what accompanies the strategy. And you know we can see today in Scotland that there's a ten year strategy for social enterprise. There's a three year action plan. And pretty well everything that happens is related to the priorities of the strategy and the action set out in the action plan. Yeah. And so we've gone from the first UK strategy, which had some broad priorities, um, uh, which was delivered on in the decade that followed, to now uh, a pretty coherent um, strategy that is, doesn't just sit within um, the third sector division, which is our uh, our Scottish government Department that that handles um, social enterprise, but it's truly um, cross department Mm there in our context in Scotland and the UK. There isn't a single. Senior official in a government department that isn't aware of social enterprise, mm. um, and and it, it is it is cross-cutting in areas like health and social care, and um, uh, even true to international division where we're we're speaking about uh, an international strategy for the country, also embracing yep. social enterprise. And our current um, trade and investment strategy in, Col- in Scotland does actually reference the uh, the, the work that social enterprises um, are doing in this area. Mm. So. It's been quite a transformation. I mentioned you know, a decade of kicking on the door. Yeah. Um, well, the door is very firmly open, and uh, we're in and out as required. And for frontline social enterprises, it means that there's support available, like the business support uh, initiative that I mentioned. There's yeah. greater levels of um, access to social investment of various um, types and sizes. It means that instead of a tender being put in the bin, because the organisation tendering uh, is a company limited by guarantee with charitable status and um it's now more likely to be shortlisted because it's a social enterprises a social enterprise rather than ignored. So there's a whole range of ways um that, that over a number of decades um uh, that, that social enterprises have been uh, advantaged by the work that's happened in the policy environment.
0: Mm, fantastic. So from that, I believe there are many lessons that other nations can learn from the UK government's approach to social enterprise. So what do you think those key, key lessons would be? Um, this is a hard one because uh, I never
3: view our position as one where we should preach or teach Um, It's really all about um, sharing experiences with others and in doing so, recognizing that we gain hugely Um, when we're on a similar trajectory with other organisations. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, With the uh, head of our third sector division um, and equalities in in, in Scotland, uh, I went to Canada last year and we we did um, a a two-way exchange with Canadian um, government, including ministers, officials and social enterprise sector leaders in the policy environment. Mm. And there's now a federal initiative um, in, in, in Canada boosting the, the, the social enterprise sector, looking at strategy and policy. Um, and we have a very close um, collaboration um, and we're, we're working on similar themes like procurement and social investment. And I guess one of the things that has emerged in recent years is the concept of a social enterprise ecosystem. And one of our key learning points in Scotland is that if the sector works with government um, uh, to promote and support social enterprise, if the focus is narrow, um, it really is ineffectual. Mm. Um, so to, to do it through establishing a social innovation fund um, is not as effective as having uh, um, a decent ecosystem because, you know, your social innovation fund will be certainly um, used more effectively if it's accompanied by some capacity building and business support. And if organizations are having their capacity supported and our view you know are, are looking to expand and create um, more social impact mm. um, then <clears throat> that's probably assisted if there's a procurement initiative that helps with their access to contracts yeah. or if new social entrepreneurs coming onto the space are supported with professional advice and and, and signposted to, uh, to to where to go to for, for support so if it's a if it's a narrow range of initiatives, there's almost certainly going to be lots of wastage, um, uh, whereas we see countries now, um, uh, um, Canada, Taiwan, uh, and others that we're working with, and um, that are using the ecosystem terminology, and recognise that the, the the best thing is to is is to work broadly to make sure that people coming into the sector are supported, that organisations already in there are um, are are also supported to grow, and that the policy takes account of um uh, of the various interrelated um, uh, dynamics between policy and practice.
0: Now, more recently, we spoke to another one of the speakers at this year's Social Enterprise World Forum in Edinburgh, Susan Actemul, Director of Homes for Good. Now with the World Forum celebrating its 10th anniversary, we asked Susan what she thought had been the key factors that had created the thriving social enterprise environment in Scotland. And here's what Susan said.
4: Well, Bit of different things and I suppose in no particular order the first thing is that Scotland is a small country so there's what six million of us what that means is that that you can access who you need to access very quickly the networks are good you've got because we've got devolved government we have access to politicians it's different from maybe working in a part of England with a similar size of population and mm. um, so you know For example, it could be that somewhere like the West Midlands or, you know, the London area or Greater Manchester area um, has a similar size of population, but is part of a much bigger infrastructure. So it's harder to make things happen or to create relationships. So I think the size of the country is is an important thing. The government gets social enterprise. And I think, you know, we've been through two or three different uh, governments now in Scotland you know, we had a Labour majority and we've then gone into a period of, of, you know, the SNP leading the government. And each time the commitment to social enterprise has strengthened. So when government gets behind something and then puts the resources in place and talks about it, that's when things can start to happen. So, So over the last, I don't know, 10, 12 years, there has been this brilliant ecosystem for social enterprise that has been created in Scotland where if you have an idea and you need £2,000, there's an organisation that can help you, right through to if you need to raise seven-figure investment, there's an organisation that can help you, and lots of different organisations in between. So the whole idea of government getting behind it and then putting its money and its time and commitment where its mouth is, has really helped. And I think I also have to say that I think Jerry and the work that he's done at CEIS, and... The Social Enterprise World Forum essentially was born in Scotland and has grown and grown and has put us on the international stage, I think, is the best place to to do social enterprise in the world. So it's an absolute credit to the hard work that Gerry and his team have done over the last decade to get us where we are now.
0: Now, in speaking to Alistair Davis, Chief Executive of Social Investment Scotland, We explained that Scotland was regularly being pointed to as a leader in social enterprise. We asked Alistair what he believed had been the key factors in creating this thriving social enterprise environment, what some of the key challenges had been, and also took the opportunity to ask him about the £31.8 million Scottish investment fund. So
2: it's very
5: flattering, I think to be recognised in a global context for our experience and credibility in the the social enterprise movement, particularly as it grows uh, right across the world. And I don't think that sometimes we maybe quite appreciate the fact that um, other countries and other organisations right across the world are paying quite such close attention to what Scotland is doing. So it's good to know and good good to be able to share some of that experience uh, with your listeners. But I would say that Scotland has a, a long history of um, community enterprise. You can track back to the, the mid 19th century in terms of some new models of um, worker participation, worker cooperatives that were set up to deal with some of the challenges, uh, some of the social challenges of the industrial revolutions. And I think that has created uh, a strong foundation for the growth um, of what we would probably say at that term, at that point in time, was a movement. Mm. I think the other thing uh, to remember in terms of the the landscape and the geography and the demographic makeup of Scotland is that it's not just about urban centres and that most of the country is uh, remote and rural. And I think that that has meant that communities and local people have been forced into a situation where they have had to create entrepreneurial solutions to local yeah. problems and be more, more self-sufficient in terms of... Uh, what it is that they need to make their communities a success, and particularly in the Highlands and Islands of Scotland,
0: um,
5: some of the most uh, remote and fragile uh, landscapes and communities anywhere in Europe. Uh, There are fantastic examples now of robust social enterprises that have got a strong track record um, of creating social impact in a sustainable way. And I think that that foundation has allowed the sector to build strong relationships with the Scottish Government, and I think that since we have had our own Parliament in Scotland, we have been able to really deepen the relationships as a sector with uh, the Scottish Government and the various administrations that have been in place, and that has resulted in continuation of uh, strong and significant financial support, Mm. but also at the highest levels of government where our First Minister and Deputy First Minister are aware of the social enterprise movement, the strong ecosystem of support that we have uh, to support the growth and development of the social enterprise sector, uh, and then successive movements in in particular at the moment in terms of a a 10-year strategy for the social enterprise sector in Scotland. Mm. And I think that all of those things in, in combination, the unique characteristics of the country, the strong heritage, and then the strong government support have meant that we have been able to retain um, that strong ecosystem and culture of social enterprise support and development, which obviously has begun to attract um, attention from across the world. I'm always quite conscious to say that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. We still have our challenges as a sector, and I'm sure we'll come on to talk about that in a bit more detail soon. But um, it is certainly something that we are we are proud of. It's something that we certainly don't want to lose and it's certainly something that as a movement we have to work together to retain.
0: Most certainly. Well, you certainly do have a few eyes on you as a country from around the world, which is a great thing. So you mentioned some challenges, Alistair. So what do you find to be some of the biggest challenges in working in the social enterprise sector in Scotland and how have you worked around them? So I
5: think there's probably two main Challenges that I would um, highlight in terms of uh, building on what we just said about the the track record and the heritage of the movement I think that as social enterprise has gained traction Internationally, um, and there have been different models uh, and formats of social enterprise that have emerged uh, right across the world uh, That has created some challenges for the social enterprise sector in Scotland and I would say that traditionally Social enterprise in Scotland has, in many ways, been quite an orthodox movement. It has been defined under particular legal forms. Mm. Uh, And I would say that although those still remain true and very relevant for many social enterprise formats in Scotland, some of the models that we see uh, in a more global context, where uh, they have emerged from countries that perhaps don't have such a strong heritage, have perhaps challenged uh, some of those more traditional uh, models of social enterprise. Mm. And we see that in particular from young people who have a desire to create a business that is not only impactful and creates a social impact, uh, but perhaps might involve an element of financial return for them as a director. Uh, And I think that in some parts of the sector, we have struggled to accommodate that in with what have been uh, slightly rigid definitions mm. uh, and structures. However, I think that as that innovation has progressed and we've been able to perhaps bring that innovation in an appropriate way, we've managed to find a way to recognise as a community that social enterprise is indeed a spectrum
2: mm. and there
5: are a range of different models and what we need to focus on is the impact of those social enterprises and business forms rather than just uh, their legal structure. Yeah. So that's probably the first challenge that I would say that we see uh, and continue to see in Scotland. And the, the second uh, aspect would be that although that we are um, a proud nation, and as I mentioned earlier, now have our own parliament, we are still part of the United Kingdom. And as you'll have heard from other commentators from uh, the the broader UK scene, social enterprise is just as prevalent and uh, important in other parts of the United Kingdom, particularly in England. And there have been significant developments that have taken place uh, south of the border mm. uh, to support the growth and the development of social enterprises right across the UK. The focus is different. There's, there's more of a focus on how social enterprises can deliver public services on behalf of the state. Yep. We don't see that same pressure in Scotland. Uh, but it, it does uh, create not only advantages for organisations like Social Investment Scotland to take advantage of society capital, who are a wholesaler, social investor, we are still able to access investment from them as a UK-wide institution that perhaps mainly focuses on England Mm -hmm. um, and some of the tax advantages that exist for social enterprise in terms of our tax system that is still retained at a UK level. But it's been able to take advantage of the benefits uh, and support that's available within both ecosystems, both at a Scottish level and at an English level. And sometimes that's a challenge just to be able to navigate that and to tell the story of how that fits into the broader broader picture of social enterprise across the
0: UK. Mm, It's really interesting to hear those perspectives. So SIS invests loan finance in third sector organisations across Scotland and it manages the Scottish Investment Fund on behalf of the Scottish Government, which is a multi-million pound programme of investment in the sector. So could you please share some of the success stories and what you believe are the key ingredients that have been there to see the organisations that you support thrive?
5: Absolutely. So the the Scottish Investment Fund is a fund that is backed by the Scottish government and was the fund that I joined Social Investment Scotland to manage, a £31.8 million programme of investment, Mm -hmm. a mix of grant and loan in third sector organisations right across Scotland. And that government support is one of the key success factors, not only of the social enterprise movement more broadly, but of Social Investment Scotland as well because it provided a level of capital that we had not seen before as an organisation and provided government endorsement to the concept of social enterprise and provided a grant and loan mix that many organisations point to as being a defining moment in their success and growth as an organisation.
0: Now, when speaking to Alex Hannett, previously CEO of the Arkina Foundation and currently Interim Director of the UNIS Social Business Centre, Griffith University, I asked Alex what inspiring projects or initiatives he'd come across recently, which were creating some great positive social change. But beyond pointing to some interesting local initiatives, he was also quick to point to Scotland.
6: Two, I'm going to jump to Scotland, um, and this is around system supports. You know how you know organisations can partner in in really kind of smart ways. And there's a, a food supermarket chain called ASDA now as the i think probably a couple of years ago started charging people for the plastic bags and we're seeing that all around and but they diverted all the charge they got from the plastic bags into social invest scotland into an investment fund for social enterprise Mm. so the kind of the mechanism to try and restrict waste You know, and hopefully in some ways that wouldn't last for that long. But all that money is then going into an investment fund to support new business initiatives. Mm. And then for the ones which are creating uh, appropriate um, products and goods, Asda is then giving them uh, shelf space Mm. and also supporting a whole business development program. So you're sort of incorporating in one system play. The financing, the capability development, and the access to market, and I yeah. think you know it's just a powerful way that when you you get a private sector organisation with a government investor in body, and working with social entrepreneurs, that mm. you know everyone can get a hell of a lot of value out of that. Mm. You know, and and then I guess you know, sort of at the level above that, um, you know, just starting to get very excited around the involvement of these national strategies around social enterprise. So, you know, Scotland's now in its second. Uh, state of Victoria has rela- launched its um, strategy, you know, um, I think at the back end of last year. Mm. Um, I think something similar might be taking place um, in maybe maybe Queensland in the near future. Yeah. Um, New Zealand's going that way. Taiwan's going that way. Korea's on its second one. So beyond, you know, the micro into the kind of partnership, we're actually then starting to see the ecosystem as well. Mm. So you know, sort of all of those things, I think, are really promising. And, of course, you, you want a proliferation at all of those levels, yeah. um, uh, you know, to, to, to make this something which is going to be truly transformative.
0: Now, fellow Australian and CEO of the Australian Centre for Rural Entrepreneurship, Matt Farlett, spent time in 2013 studying social enterprise models around the world as part of his Churchill Fellowship. I asked Matt what countries he believed were really leading the charge when it came to social entrepreneurship or innovation and what they were doing that he thought other countries around the world, such as Australia, could adopt.
2: Yeah, so so for me in my area, Tom, which is that kind of rural and regional rejuvenation, Scotland are the standout. And where social enterprise has taken hold uh, is in the rural and, and regional areas. So, Parts of Scotland are incredibly isolated because of um, the, the the distance, but also the, the need to take ferries across to small aisles and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. and their economies have been decimated in the last twenty years, so they've had a real driver from within to look at models for change. And what's been so impressive by the yeah you know, in the response that they've taken is that the the national strategy for social enterprise in Scotland has been co-designed with the sector leaders. Mm. So it's not this kind of top-down, bottom up, never talking to each other. It's actually met in the middle. And to see that in action 15 years later and how it's actually impacting the lives of these rural communities is is kind of breathtakingly good. Yeah. And what's also impressive is you know one of the government agencies in Scotland, the Highlands and Islands Enterprise They're kind of like the equivalent of a regional development um, organisation in in government would be in any of our states. Mm. But what they focus on is social and economic capital being increased and driven in rural communities simultaneously Mm. because they understand that if you've got a heap of jobs in an area but you're a really rubbish place to live, people will fly in and fly out. Yeah. But equally, if you're in an amazing community but you've got no jobs, people hang on and hang on but eventually have to leave. Yeah. And so – As a government, they've understood that those two things need to be built simultaneously. And so what they do is they kind of have this like no wrong door policy where regardless of whether you're a community leader or a business leader, you can come to them and pitch your idea and get support to go to the next stage with it. Now, they don't care if it's a community festival. It's not not there to to be a big business, but they also don't care if it's a – if it's a big business as well. But what they understand is that their number one job is to build the capacity of the leaders in that group. Mm. And so even if the um, festival falls over, there's a great opportunity to have a new conversation with that group about what they can do differently next time to build their capacity. And it is that attitude that has spawned a whole ecosystem of of can-do in those rural communities where regardless of your you know, what you're into, whether you're an artisan or, a, um, you know, you're in the, into the tech industry or you're a farmer or you're a distiller or you're a shopkeeper, you are valued as, as a potential community and business leader in the future. Mm. And I think it's that kind of inclusiveness that Australia can learn a lot from.
0: It was also interesting to speak with Sandy Blackburn-Wright, Managing Director of Social Outcomes, on her take of the world's hotspots for social enterprise and social innovation. Here's what Sandy had to say.
7: There's some interesting things happening in social innovation around Europe, and I think it's a needs-must thing, Mm. where they're really in the crapper, basically, as economies, and so they're having to think outside the box. I think in some ways, globally, the GFC has had a similar effect, it's really pushed us to think differently about how we spend money. Yeah. But I think in terms of social innovation, you're seeing interesting things out of Portugal and mm-hmm. some other European countries. In terms of a great country on social enterprise, Scotland's probably my favourite. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And the way that they've... I mean, they've restructured government. They've given all the government ministers exactly the same KPIs, mm-hmm. which is astonishing. So that's going to encourage collaboration, sort of competition, yeah. which you do see between government silos. Yeah. And then they've created an infrastructure for the development of social enterprise. It's not perfect, but it's really intentional. Mm. And they've understood that social enterprise is probably the best way to grow the economy and help people at the same time. So they've gone gangbusters for it. And you just don't see anything else as brave, I think, as the very comprehensive approach that Scotland's taken. Mm. So uh, England has also done a great deal, but I think Scotland has taken it that much further.
0: Now, when we spoke to David Brooks, Managing Director of Social Traders in Australia, he highlighted leadership in the policy area when asked who he thought was leading the charge when it came to social enterprise. Uh,
8: Tom, yes, I think there are some some countries sort of leading the charge, but I think the international and global landscape, I think, is changing positively. Um, So I suppose I'd say, firstly, that Australia... It doesn't lag behind other countries in terms of you know social enterprise practice you know we we have some of the most innovative and diverse social enterprise models here you know anywhere in the world I think probably where there is leadership um, is in is in the policy area mm. in the UK and Scotland in particular where they I suppose continue to be as I say leaders in in terms of social enterprise policy and levels of awareness and sort of overall maturity of the supporting infrastructure uh, for social enterprise. They have well-established and well-coordinated intermediary bodies um, in the UK and, again, particularly in Scotland where there is a close collaboration and co-design between government and industry Mm -hmm. players.
0: Adding another perspective, Ruth Toomey of the Queensland Public Service Commission spoke about an inspiring initiative of the Scottish Government that she'd recently come across that was creating some great positive social change.
9: So, I was uh, I was thinking about this, and so I'm currently doing the Theory U massive online course, mm. which I'm absolutely loving. And what's really struck me is the Scottish government have set up about a hundred labs, and they've they've enabled as many staff, really, of the Scottish Government who are interested in, in completing ULAB to work together to prototype new approaches to social change. So um, for those that don't know, Theory U is, is based on the idea of affecting transformational change through the transformation of self, and it's based on the idea that the the effectiveness of any intervention is dependent on the interior condition of the intervener So it's really about doing that personal work and I suppose bringing that into your work And so I'm fascinated to see from a government perspective what that's going to Mm. enable them to achieve in Scotland Um, Certainly, I've I've read some examples of how it's already begun to to change the way that they're um, connecting with community and business to work together um, Mm. for outcomes, so um, I guess it's early days, but I'm just fascinated that the government has taken it on so wholeheartedly that the creators of the MOOC have actually created a separate piece for that government. So mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really inspiring leadership there.
0: Robin Dick, currently Program Manager of Social Innovation at CQ University, arrived to Australia from Scotland more than 10 years ago. And it was interesting to hear more about Robin's background in our interview. When speaking about his move from Scotland to Australia, it was interesting to note how he compared the countries back then, whilst attributing it to the disadvantage that Scotland had faced. Here's what Robin had to say.
8: It's not too sunny in in the central belt of Scotland <laughs> most most days, so um, yeah, I took it upon myself to come across and, and I tried to do the same kind of thing here and found probably not the the, the same kind of maturity in terms of cross sectoral Collaboration and community, mm. or, or even that that kind of longer term vision of regeneration uh, and and uh, um, social inclusion partnership kind of approaches, simply because I think that uh, Australia probably didn't have quite as much as the of, of the disadvantages maybe some parts of Scotland had had, and parts of England obviously off the back of mining industry loss and s- steel loss, and in, uh, in, in Scotland the, the shipbuilding loss, mm. which had a devastating effect.
0: Shifting our vision towards the future, we asked David LePage, chair of the Social Enterprise World Forum, amongst many other roles, what he was most looking forward to about the forum in Edinburgh and what participants can expect if they're to go. Here's what David shared.
10: Yeah, it's, and it's great because we had the first Social Enterprise World Forum in, in Edinburgh, so it's great to come back 10 years later mm. and to see the shift Uh, in the conversation, because then it was a few hundred people talking about what is and and what are we doing and just what is this thing called social enterprise. Lots of exploring of of some basic concepts and and building some relationships. Now, 10 years later, you see the strength that comes from different, every country has just matured so significantly when you look at, you know, what's going on in New Zealand, Australia, Taiwan, Korea, Mm. Um, to say nothing about what you've done in Scotland and Britain. Um, so I think the big shift is now it's no longer about just what is and, and why are we doing this, but how do we work together to to show the impact and to demonstrate the impact and to shift the public policy arena? Um, I think the Social Enterprise World Forum, the greatest benefit has been the ability to move from country to country from continent to continent and the legacy impacts i mean i think of canada it was like in 2013 when we hosted the social enterprise world forum to get a federal minister to stand up in front of the the global community and say we support social enterprise Mm -hmm. was a significant legacy and we see the development that's happened so i think the greatest thing is this year at the social enterprise world forum is is to really experience that collaborative environment that we've created that that reflects why we do social enterprise it's really about building you know communities and we've built we've built relationships we continue to do that Mm. so i think there's a pragmatic side but there's also sort of this real reflection of this is a new way of doing business this is not about you know business to extract this is about business to contribute to community and we see that growing every
0: year. On an ending note, we recently spoke to Jan Owen, CEO of the Foundation for Young Australians and another speaker at this year's World Forum in Edinburgh. We asked Jan what she was most looking forward to about the forum and what advice she would give to the youth listening to make the most of the experience.
11: I mean, every social enterprise world forum is uh, phenomenal. Mm. Um, it's And this is the 10th anniversary, so of course it's going to be extra, extra, extra special yeah. um, to be in Edinburgh where it all started for the 10th anniversary. So I'm just super excited about being there. Mm. I'm excited about being in Edinburgh when it's not winter. Uh, so that's going to be huge and positive. Um, and I'm really excited there's going to be kind of an emerging talent uh, program and stream in um, at the World Forum that's being shaped up right now and, and in you know in partnership with lots of young entrepreneurs. so I'm very, very excited about how is it that you know as a mechanism and as a alternative actually to kind of what I see really as a kind of a last century model of business, you know, I think we're very ready for capitalism 2.0 and all the iterations of that, the many, many iterations of that. Mm. Um, I think that as as one mechanism and I hope that at the World Forum and I'm pretty sure we'll talk about other mechanisms as well. There's a lot of work going on in Scotland around cooperatives and um, and other new models. You know, social enterprise is one of the the models that we're looking at Um, And I think we also need to not get confused that social enterprise is just about the social entrepreneurs. Um, Social enterprises are often set up in communities by local communities. They're often set up by like-minded people. Um, They're often set up by uh, alliances of different groups. So let's be really clear that there's, there's been, I think, a really interesting kind of debate around social entrepreneurship in its own Right, and you know, there's been a lot of conversations and stuff written about heropreneurship and Mm. you know the privileged few who come in to rescue you know everybody else uh, through and use kind of social entrepreneurship to do that. I want us to understand that social enterprise is much much broader than that, Um, and it is often teams and groups of people coming up with new ways of doing things and creating value that really really generate opportunities for others and enables inclusive um, opportunities so um, some of the best you know social enterprises in the world are ones w- which have been you know, enabled people who would not have been able to work for whatever reason, access to the dignity and meaning of work. Others have enabled new products and services to be developed, um, again, with people who would not normally have been able to get their product and service to market except through joining up with others and so on. So, um, I think we need to have a really strong view about what we mean about social enterprise. Again, we're rethinking and redesigning the systems of the world. That's an incredible conversation to be in. It's like a once-in-a-hundred-year conversation. Mm. So for every young person who's coming to be involved in thinking about how we're going to redesign the systems and the institutions that shape our world, and what role does social enterprise have in that as one of the co- contributions um, to that that adds value and provides meaning and purpose, as well as profit mm-hmm. um, that's distributed differently? This is the time to be in one of the most exciting conversations on the planet.